Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Seven Investing Podcast. I'm Seven Investing founder and CEO Simon Erickson, and today we're going to be talking about non fungible tokens, also known as NFTs. These are becoming the next big thing out there, and I'm really excited to chat with my guest today, Joel Akam. Joel is a New York Times bestselling author, he is the podcast host of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Uh, also self-describes as an eternal 12-year-old. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun on today's podcast. Joel, thanks for joining me at 7 Investing here today. You're definitely in danger of having fun with me. That's for sure. <laughs> I like to clown around. I, you know, I've got this whole adulting thing figured out and can be a responsible adult with the growing up thing. That ain't never going to happen. Looking forward to it, Joel. Let's start at the 10,000-foot level, man. What is a non-fungible token? So a non-fungible token is an item that has a unique identifier. There is none other like it in the world. And the way I like to explain it to people is bring it to the physical space. Okay, so uh, if I say, hey, uh, Simon, hand me a dollar bill. Well, you're not going to open your wallet and say, well, which one? Because they're all treated the same. A dollar is a dollar is a dollar. However, if I say, hey, Simon, um, are you going to the, the Eagles concert? And boy, I would do anything to go to a concert right now, especially the <laughs> Eagles. And you would say, yeah, but where's the seat? Well, every ticket is unique. You could have a ticket to the Eagles concert that's front row, or you could have one that's back row. They're not the same. They're very unique tickets with unique identifiers. Well, in the non-fungible token world, when we're talking digital assets, every asset created on the blockchain has its own unique identifier. One can look like another. But each one is special because it there's none other like it. And can you talk a little bit about more of what those assets are and then also how you acquire these in the first place? Sure. Well, they can really be anything could become a non-fungible token. And really um, what we're going to see is anything that requires a title is eventually going to be a non-fungible token or an NFT, as we like to call it, without having to use as many syllables. So right now, what we're seeing is a lot of artists are creating their artwork in a digital format, which unlike a static painting, which you might hang on your wall, artists now can do all kinds of things with animation and 3D, making these pieces of art living pieces of art, right? Uh, we see people taking video clips and turning them into NFTs. We see col the collectible world such as Tops is now in the NFT space. Uh, you know, if you're old enough to remember when Garbage Pail Kids launched in 1985, that that's when they sprung onto the world, Adam Bomb and Nasty Nick and the set of trading cards in physical form. Well, last year they revived those as NFTs and you would buy packs of cards, open them and all kinds of surprises would come out. There's been a lot of different brands since then, including ones that we've released uh, called the Blockchain Heroes and a lot of others are starting to enter into the space right now. And there was a question that you started with and somehow I ended up here. I think that's it. The, the other one was how do you acquire them? You know, you oh, talk you about blockchains. Yeah. How do you actually go about buying one of these? Yeah, so there's uh, several different blockchains that, that are unique from one another. One of them is called Ethereum, and there's several places on the Ethereum blockchain. One site is called Super Rare. Another one is called Nifty Gateway. Another one is called OpenSea. These are all marketplaces 
for NFTs and digital art. Personally, myself and my partner uh, and my co-host, which you can see over my shoulder here, this is actually a blockchain hero that's inspired by myself and Travis Wright uh, because Love we it. host the Bad Crypto Podcast. The name of this uh, hero is Sooth and Sayer, and they have the uh, the power of um, volume, really, because they can share with the world the, the message of blockchain. Um, we build on the WAX blockchain, and uh, we prefer the WAX blockchain because it's instant, it's super fast, transactions really take a second. So the moment you purchase something uh, and it's an NFT, it's in your wallet, uh, and there's no fees for the, the buyer uh, and the fees for the seller are so small as to be negligible. Whereas items purchased on the Ethereum blockchain carry fees that depending how busy the blockchain is can be really exorbitant. Joel, our audience is individual investors. So I want to move a little bit from the what and how to the why of these. Um, okay. I read a great article you wrote about artists and how this is empowering them having sure. an NFT, you know, and we've kind of, you, something else you pointed out in that article was that in the past technology has been a net negative for a lot of artists, right? We talk about Napster and how that kind of, you know, just destroyed royalties and the way that people were getting paid and just everything was, was out there. But you've actually mentioned that you think that, that cryptocurrencies and blockchains and the whole way that we're heading here, um, especially with NFTs is empowering artists, right? It really is because, you know, just like, now with technology, you can build a website and have your own gallery and showcase of artwork, which you can market to the world. With NFTs, there's already platforms that are built that you can place your artwork on and put it up for sale. So, you know, before it would be really hard to get recognized. You know, you'd have to schedule a showing with a gallery and market it. Now people are going out looking for interesting artwork on these platforms. And I run across things all the time. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Who did that? What's their story, right? And so there's artists that are finding great success now by placing their artwork in the form of digital um, artwork and selling them on these marketplaces. Can there be multiple owners of one distinct piece? Well, when we say a distinct piece, for example, if the piece that the artist created is minted one time, then that's a one of one. That's a unique piece. However, many artists will say, okay, I'm going to create 10 editions of this. And they all look the same, but they each have a mint number, just like you might buy a piece of artwork that's signed by the artist and numbered at the bottom, you know, 212 out of 500. It's the same with NFTs. Each one has a unique identifier and there's something in the collector's world and in our mindset that places a higher value on the mint number one of any particular item, even if there's a thousand of them. You know, so um, the, the collector mindset's an interesting thing, what we put the value on, because really a number one is the same as a number 1,000, except this one's numbered number one. <laughs> But there's some exclusivity piece to it, right? So I think in terms of investing of eBay and, you know, how all of a sudden we've got a marketplace for something that you could only get on eBay and somebody would sell an exclusive piece for more than something that's completely commoditized. Is this the same concept of just exclusivity and there's so much more demand than there is supply for these right now? 
Yeah, I think exclusivity is part of it. Also, the security of it. You know, when you purchase an NFT, there is no, um, it's trustless. There's no intermediary that does the transaction. You have the buyer, you have the seller. And the moment that purchase is made, the smart contracts inherent in the blockchain handle the transaction according to the code. So I can't pay you cryptocurrency and not get that item delivered. You can't, I can't get that item from you without paying for it. It all takes place at the same time. And so removing the intermediaries from the equation makes it so that we can trust the system more. You know, there's endless stories of buying something on eBay and then getting it um, and seeing this is not what was promised or not getting it at all. And that doesn't happen with NFTs. It's just not possible. And every transaction being verifiable on a public ledger, you can actually point to it and say, there it is. There's the transaction. Joel, you've minted more than 500,000 NFTs over the years. You were a super early adopter of these things. How have you seen this, this market evolve? You know, it started back in late 2017 when Dapper Labs came out with something called Crypto Kitties. And Crypto Kitties were basically, um, what's, what's the uh, thing that used to be able to, uh, my, my mind is, uh, is at a gap <laughs> because I've been talking NFTs all day of different people. Um, basically, there are these cartoon cats that have different attributes to them, their color, <laughs> their eyes, their hair, and you could take these crypto kitties and breed them and it makes a new one. Well, these guys were kind of amongst the first to do it and it was the first to get any real public attention. Um, And so we've been following it since late 2017 and it was um, in January of 2020, we started issuing our own NFTs for listeners of the Bad Crypto Podcast. We thought, you know, this is an interesting way to provide them with a proof of loyalty, a proof of listening, a badge, if you will, some sort of achievement. And so if you listen to an episode, for example, we interviewed uh, Ron Paul, who once ran for president of the United States, and we interviewed him on the show, and we made this NFT featuring a drawing of Ron Paul, and we told our listeners, from the time this episode drops, you have 72 hours to go to this website and fill in your name and your blockchain wallet address, and we'll give you this NFT. And that's when we really started creating our own. And it wasn't until May of last year that we saw Tops do the Garbage Pail Kids on blockchain. And we thought, there we go. There's the delivery mechanism we're looking for, where we can take a collection of cards, put them in packs, attach odds to them so that when people open the packs, they've got a chance at getting something really rare, something exciting, something with motion and lighting effects. And it really appealed to our audience. We sold something like 12,000 packs in about 20 minutes of sale time. Um, And it's accelerated so much that we did a sale just a few weeks ago of a smaller set, uh, 6,500 three-card packs for $5 each, and we sold out in 35 seconds. That sounds like a lot of demand is building up, um, and these things are a hot commodity. What do we know about the buyers? Do we know anything about who's, who's typically buying these or how they're using them or how often they're transacting? 
Um, well, I think you've got a, a full spectrum as more and more people enter the space. It depends upon what the collection is. You know, we know who our avatar is, right? And our buyers, and we can track and see who are the whales in the space that are buying a lot of our NFTs, who are the ones that are just buying them to collect them because they like the way they look, who are the speculators that are buying and flipping them for a profit, right? So you've got all that. But for example, Dapper Labs that invented CryptoKitties, also invented NBA Top Shot, which is all over the news. They're basically packaging video clips of moments from NBA games, and they're selling them in packs. You buy these packs, open them, and you get these moments. Sometimes they're super rare. Sometimes they're common. Some of them are fetching a high five figures if you get something that's super rare. And they did a sale today of uh, a pack for $14.99, $14.99, and they had about 200,000 people waiting in a line digitally online to be able to acquire one of, I believe, 60,000 that were available. They're in high demand. They sell out every time. They're bringing in some serious cash. As someone who collected football cards and baseball cards as a kid, I can see the appeal for this. And it seems like there's a lot of removing the friction of, you know, getting those and actually having a marketplace out there. You can actually trade them. Very uh, much. Joel? Yeah. And as, as blockchain evolves and the tools become easier to use, I mean, there's there's still some friction there in, you know, teaching people how to set up a wallet to hold your cryptocurrency to be able to buy. Um, there's some fiat gateways that people are using, but, you know, the on-ramps are still, they can be a little bumpy, but we're making advances pretty quickly. We're getting there and we're going to get to the point where it's like when you use your credit card, you uh, you don't ask how that little chip works. When you put it in the reader, you just know that it does. Cryptocurrency is going to be the same way. And, uh, you know, we're a few years down the road till it's totally smooth. But right now, people who like to get in at the beginning and pioneer, become an early adopter, are learning the joys of digital collectibles and having an absolute blast. As a show that's geared for investors, how do you see this playing forward in a couple of years? Where, where are corporations or publicly traded companies or even privately traded companies? Who do you think is really interested in this that investors should be paying more attention to? Well, I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, I could I could say I'm an NFT advisor because that's not really a thing <laughs> at all. And Another nobody, title. I'll introduce you as right. that for the next one. Yeah. Nobody could hold me liable for that. But I think what's <laughs> going to happen is we're going to see more of the bigger brands as the road uh, is more paved and more proven. We're going to see Disney. We're going to see Major League Baseball. We're going to see Star Wars. They're all going to start coming in with digital collectibles. And one of the reasons they're going to come in once they understand it is that the revenue streams can go on in perpetuity. So for example, if uh, you know if you happen to get that Mickey Mantle card, that 1955 Mickey Mantle card, where most of them were dumped in the river because they thought they overproduced, that now sells for millions of dollars. Every time that card changes hands, Tops doesn't see a penny of that. But with digital collectibles, the creator gets a residual every time that item goes is sold from one wallet to another so you know we will earn from blockchain heroes as long as people are trading them buying and selling them online we'll tell that to disney and you know and star wars and and hasbro and mattel and any of these companies that have ip that are not used to earning the residuals and they're going to be huh what 
You have my attention. That's going to happen. They're going to come on board. They're going to be marketing to their unique audiences. We're going to see musicians and bands do it. In fact, today, as of this interview, the Kings of Leon, which is a very popular band, released their album as an NFT and it came with bonuses and you could buy additional NFTs if you're a fan that are digital collectibles. We're going to see a lot more of this. It's going to become ubiquitous. Uh, like I say, this is just the beginning. And there is still IP behind it too, right? Like if you've got the rights or contracts to a, a sports star through a team, you've got Disney IP stuff, that still has to be blessed. And is there a relationship with those companies too that, that hold those before you can create an NFT Based on oh, something yeah. like that? Sure. Just like you can't, you know, you are not under license to sell a t-shirt with Mickey Mouse on it unless you have, you know, the license to do that from the Walt Disney Corporation. And now you might go to some flea markets and find knockoffs, but that's stealing. And so it's the same thing in the NFT world. Only a, a difference here that makes it better is because you can tell on blockchain where that digital collectible originated from. It's easy to spot if it's authentic or a fake. Because you've got the ledger tracking back everything. So you know this is actually certified. This is authentic versus a copycat knockoff. That's already right. We, we had that happen multiple times where somebody took some of our rare assets and they copied them and they tried to republish them on their account. Well, here's the thing. The community instantly spots that. They look at the name of the account and say, that's not a verified account. This is the official account that these NFTs come from. And of course, that fake account was blacklisted and they can't sell anything. And their NFTs don't show up in the markets. Is there a high correlation between the volume of NFTs being sold and the price of Ethereum? Uh, I think it definitely has something to do with it. You know, Ethereum in and of itself uh, is a, a great chain for creating anything that needs a smart contract. And there's many applications that go beyond NFTs. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of people that are expecting that Ethereum is going to go much higher still just based on those merits alone. In the NFT arena, it actually is a little bit of a liability because you can't do what we do on Ethereum. You could sell higher priced items on Ethereum because the fees that go with it then are kind of a smaller piece of it, but you couldn't sell trading cards like we do. Uh, you know, if somebody gets a card they want to sell for, you know, $1.75, the gas fee is going to be $20. That's the, <laughs> you know, the fee that Ethereum can charge. Sometimes those fees can go as high as $100 depending on how clogged up and backed up the Ethereum blockchain is. Uh, that's why we use Wax. It's made for tickets of any size. And because there's no fees and it's fast, we don't have to deal with that issue. Joel, my last question for you is, I, I kind of consider you to be the global expert on NFTs. Really appreciate your time chatting with us. And I know you do interviews and public speaking events all over the place all the time. Uh, what are the not, questions? Not as much as last year, unfortunately. <laughs> it's been a lot, which has actually been a blessing in disguise, Simon, because it was COVID and the lockdowns and me not being able to travel and speak that caused me to go, well, I'm not going to sit around here and do nothing. And we ideated and we created and we built something new. So uh, for me and my partners, it ended up being a huge blessing in disguise. What, what questions are you not being asked as often as you should be right now? What are we missing out there that's that important one right that there. we're not paying attention to? Yeah, <laughs> That question right there. Um, I think that you, we've kind of talked about it because I talk about WAX. Uh, we were so successful 
with our project that Wax invited us to be on their advisory council. So we're on the same council with you know William Shatner, who produced a set of digital collectibles on Wax, and and uh, leaders from uh, Tops and Google and Microsoft and Anamoka Brands, and, and the list goes on. And so um, a lot of people think that Ethereum is the NFT world, and while it has a huge portion of the market cap and gets a lot of press attention, Wax, in my opinion, is the sleeping giant that is about to come to life. And this is why I, I'm doing calls all day with people who are reaching out and saying, how are you doing this? How are you avoiding the Ethereum fees? How do we do this? And I find myself eating, breathing, and sleeping uh, digital collectibles now. And I'm not complaining because in 26 years of doing business online, I've had a lot of fun. I've done a lot of fun things, but I am consistently having more fun now because this totally appeals to the eternal 12-year-old in me. Not only do I get to collect NFTs, and I do, I'm, I buy all kinds of different collectibles because I have fun with them just like I did when I was a teenager, but I also get to create products and IP that just gives joy and delight to so many others. So it's like full circle. And uh, even though I'm NFT'd out at the end of the day, I'm ready the next day to do it all over again. And Joel, final question. What is your favorite and most prized digital collectible that you have? Um, you know what? I bought this on Nifty Gateway. I'll actually show it to you if you'd like to see it. Sure. Let's do, do I, this. Live do demo. Have, do I have screen share capabilities here? Let me see. Gate? Let me go ahead and do this if I can. And then it should yes, give I do. you. I do. Yep, so, there you go. Um, Nifty Gateway is uh, run by Duncan and Griffin Cock Foster, and they are twins. Their site was purchased by the Winklevoss twins, and now they've become a gateway for artists of all kinds to get their work out there. They sell out regularly. They've done a really great job of marketing the, uh, the items that they put on there, and I saw a piece. You're going to totally say, yes, you're such a child, Joel, when you see this. Um, I'm ready. I, I bought this piece um, from an artist named Wisby um, several months ago, and it's called the Vandal Gummy. That's him right there. There's actually <laughs> audio to go with it. Here we go. Turn to the right. <laughs> Turn to the left. There he goes. Gets his picture taken. He actually made a, a bunch of these in different colors nine different colors and there's only nine of each. So I have number six of nine. And uh, what's really interesting about this is somebody, I paid $999 for it. Somebody bought one for almost $18,000. Uh, in, in less than a couple of months there. In less like, than a few yeah. months. I'm not mm -hmm. selling mine. I love it. And I can't wait to get a display that is made <laughs> to display NFTs because instead of just hanging a static picture on my wall, you know, imagine the day where you go to your app on your phone, you say, oh, I want this piece of art and this piece of art, and I want them to sequence every 15 minutes, right? And it's up there on your wall and it's beautiful HD display. Uh, and it really, you're going to be able to personalize the experience that you have and that your guests have in your living space by the art that you own on your, uh, on the blockchain that you can display. Joel, I'm looking forward to this. It seems like there's a lot of creativity about to be unleashed through NFTs. I appreciate Absolutely. your time here with Seven Investing. Sure thing. And, and I'd like to mention that we actually cover NFTs every week on a live show called The Nifty Show. It's every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific, Pacific at nifty.show 
forward slash YouTube. And uh, we're interviewing people in the space and seeing what the latest projects are all the time. And we'd love to welcome your, uh, your listeners as well. Yeah. And you also have another podcast too, Bad Crypto as well, right? Yeah. We do all of these things you see around me are, are mm-hmm. brands that we are producing and there's so much happening right now. And it just seems to be multiplying pretty soon. It's going to take over the screen and I'll just, I'll walk <laughs> over there and just talk so you can see all the cool stuff we're working on. Smaller font as they start building out more and more. Yeah. Uh, Joel, thanks very much for the time at 7 Investing. Really appreciate you having, having you on the show. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for teaching us about NFTs today. Thank you for tuning in to our 7investing podcast. We are here to empower you to invest in the future. We are 7investing. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.